If Obscura wants the portal, they would kill us to get it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't want to die. Maybe we can trade them something for our lives. Maybe we can just get them a horde of Halo. Maybe we could, maybe we could maybe even keep a little for myself. Our, ourselves, I mean. Of course. Listen, all the Halo and New Capenna is not going to buy our way out of this. We've got to be smart about it. Let's get Bartholomew, set up a meeting, and we'll just give the portal to him. I don't want to die either. You have a point. I've definitely heard being dead is pretty boring. Wow, it's uh, pretty amazing that we just happened to, like, walk right by Bartholomew's place. I let us hear, you idiot. I say, I say, it's good to see you again, boys. You get your risky business solved? That's why we're back, actually. We kind of need your help. Yeah, because when we left here last time, we went down to that rivet guy place, and we met this really nice man named Larry. But then we met this other guy we were supposed to meet who told us that he couldn't fix it because it was something like art. So on the way to the maestros, we ran into this homeland demon that said he was from the maestros, and he'd been following us. But I guess it's actually who we were looking for. But it didn't really make sense, so we think that it has something to do with the Obscura. And none of us really want this thing anymore, so... I see. So y'all want little old me to set up a meeting with the head of Obscura. I say that's madness, I say. You can't do it, can you? <laughs> oh, oh, I can do it, or my name ain't Bertholomew Lobert Third Esquire. I'm gonna need to call in a few favors, though. Might draw some unwanted attention from the higher-ups. We're gonna need, I say, we're gonna need to keep this on the down low, you hear? Welcome to the newest episode of this fine podcast, Magic Proving Grounds. We are, in fact, the only Magic the Gathering podcast that proves that the reserve list has nothing to do with wine. But it does have everything to do with cheese, specifically cheddar. And sometimes whining. <laughs> a lot, lot of whining. It's not all the time whining. <laughs> so I am your moderator slash host, Dave. And with me is your other hosts, Ben. Hey, everybody. And other Dave. That's me. So uh, what have you guys been doing this week? Well, um, assembling the Avengers. No, um, assembling a deck, Pioneer, Modern, all that stuff. I found it's very uh, cumbersome to... Want to play all the things, but not want to. You want, you know, you know how you have a deck, and then you like, oh, it's only a couple more cards to make this other deck, and then when you try to play, you're gonna switch cards from one deck to another. Mm-hmm. You guys have that problem ever? Yeah, uh, no. Uh, that's why I used to have eight copies of Goblin Guide. Yeah, <laughs> this is what you do, and I've told you this before, but I'm gonna share the wisdom for the podcast. You just get okay. your your seventy five sleeves for each deck. And then you write the name of the card on a land or a, a cheap, like, common. And then... Token. This, yeah, our token. And then you put that in the sleeve, 
and the deck that doesn't have the, that you're not currently using that way you know which one you need from the other deck when you go to play the unused deck next and then you switch it oh back and forth between the decks that way you don't have to have eight copies of goblin guide that sounds like an idea i might try i do not see any problems with earning eight copies of goblin guide <laughs> just uh, a deck can have any number of goblin guides I also used to have like 15 copies of Lightning Bolt because every deck I had had Lightning Bolt in it. As one does. Well, uh, I see no problem with owning 15 copies of Lightning Bolt, personally. That's no, but you have a problem with eight Goblin Guides? I'm just saying, man. I'm Not so much Goblin Guides, but like, uh, you know, eight copies of Meat Hook Massacre gets expensive. <laughs> or whatever, you know what I'm That's saying? That's true. The uh, Fetch Lands is the big issue for me. To be honest, yes. I technically, when I had the eight goblin guides, they were still in standard, so they were still like a twenty dollar card. But oh, yeah. that's impressive. So, uh, what have you been doing, uh, other Dave? Well, I learned over the weekend that while I do like drafting and I like it in arena, I do not like doing it on my phone because the cards are really hard to read on my phone, and that makes picking one rather cumbersome. Yeah, I uh, I know exactly what you mean because I play mobile arena more than anything else, and I do not draft on my phone. I got, uh, I, I, mistakes I, were made. It's it was the worst draft that I have ever had in arena. Uh, yeah, I would yeah. Uh, because eventually I just got annoyed and was just like, "All right, f- it, these are in my colors." <laughs> yeah, um, I draft on the computer and then play on my phone, or um, but eventually I just got an iPad. So that yeah. I could bend drafting. Yeah, that's that's the lesson I learned this week was that because uh, I had always when I drafted before I'd always done it on my computer. I never even thought to do it on my phone. And then I was laying in bed. I didn't feel like getting up, and I was like, mm, "Let's draft." I got like halfway through the first pack, and I was like, "This was a mistake." <laughs> were you doing a bot draft, or were you doing the the bot draft? Draft. Okay, so you theoretically could have stopped, but you made the mistake not to. Yeah, well, I was already invested, so I just kept going. <laughs> I see. Okay, well, what have I done this week? Not much. Uh, I had to fly out of town and uh, blurged on some internet. Got to play a little bit of uh, arena whilst traveling 300 miles an hour through the air, or ever how fast airplanes go. Miles up. It's a little so, bit more than that. Yeah. Do I look like an aviation guy? Like a pilot? Uh, yes, my aviation. Am I aviation scientist? You you do look like that. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Internet not great, but I didn't lose any games because I cut out. I was able to get back on and, and finish. So um, that was an experience. Started thinking about maybe putting together some Lawbreaker uh, Oathbreaker decks. Trying to convince more people to play multiplayer Magic and Oathbreaker is faster so less of a what's oathbreaker it's a uh, singleton format similar to commander the big differences are that you start with 20 life you only have 60 cards and um along with your commander creature which can only be a planeswalker you get a uh signature spell which is treated like a commander it has a, its own commander tax and stuff. So, um, and it goes to the command zone after you cast it. 
Um, it's interesting. It's uh, interesting. I haven't played it yet because I'm putting together some decks, but I think I can uh, put together some good ones uh, with the cards that I have. At least a couple. So that's what we've been doing, I guess. Uh, let's move on to the news. Yeah, you guys, you, you guys are done talking about what you've been doing. Yep. Oh. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, fresh off the presses, uh, TCG player is planning on buying Channel Fireball and their uh, binder POS, which I have recently discovered means point of sale and not a piece of uh, shit. So uh, <laughs> that's rad. <laughs> what a revelation. This very. I guess maybe just, you know, years of, of management and retail. I I had stopped thinking about it as a piece of shit after I turned like 18. But yeah. Because you grew up. <laughs> you grew up. <laughs> I guess that's, I don't know. Maybe. How, how dare you tell me to act my age? Mm. Uh. <laughs> don't ever sing a Blink 182 song to me. <laughs> I almost did it. You, you you know me too well. I almost did it. <laughs> okay, so uh, how do you guys think this uh, little revelation right here is going to affect the market as far as buying cards off the internet is concerned? And how do you guys feel in general about Ch uh, Channel Fireball, the storefront? Do you guys ever buy cards from there? What, TCG player or Channel Fireball? Either one. Um, oh, I buy cards from TCG player all the time. So I, I listen and, you know, I have watched Channel Fireball content and things like that. I've not interacted with their store. I know they sell merch and stuff. Yes. So I, I'm, is, is this merging or this buying going to just be, hey, TCG Player is selling cards and Channel Fireball is covering cards? Is it going to kind of be that kind of thing? I have what, uh, what honestly don't know how it's going to shake out in the long term, but they... Uh, According to the article, I believe they said they were buying like all the divisions of Channel Fireball. So that's this the store and their events team and, and their uh, content production team. Mm -hmm. So So traditionally didn't um in the past didn't Star City Games run some events, some major events and stuff in there. Are they still doing they that? They still do, yeah. Okay. So is this going to be another one of those then where it's like another person that offers events in addition to Star City Games? I don't believe either one of them offers events now, so I don't know. I mean, maybe they plan on starting. Well, yeah, uh, before the pandemic, Channel Fireball did all, a lot of the Grand Prix and stuff. Okay. And then the pandemic happened, and I don't know what that... I mean, I knew they covered them, but I didn't think that they like held the event. Yeah, they were the they were the event organizers for <laughs> that run up. So I don't know how that affects this, since uh, we're just now getting the rolling back into having like live events and stuff. Uh, and also, Wizards has chosen to go with DreamHack as their preferred event organizer. So I don't know how that affects what channel fireball was doing or what tcg players planning on doing with channel fireball now that they're purchasing the the group i know most people here like buyouts like that and get concerned but in, in my head at least i know channel fireball used to be the go-to 
for magic news. Mm-hmm. But recently, it, the website has felt dated. Mm-hmm. The the information does not seem as good as it used to be. Like they just they feel dated. So hopefully, TCG player can bring them back into the forefront mm-hmm. and make okay. them a name again. Because TCG player has been much more prevalent recently. They just don't have the uh, can't think of the real reputation for news. Like they're just like a basically a selling point point mm-hmm. of sale system. Mm-hmm. Right. Is what yeah. They have the reputation for so, but they are they seem much more modern. So hopefully they can bring Channel Fireball into a more modern era. Yeah. I think uh, one of the key things that people had mentioned about uh, Channel Fireball that seemed to have bothered them in comments for this story that I've seen was that they locked a lot of their good stuff behind the paywall mm-hmm. and that uh, made a lot of people kind of salty um, and turned them off of Channel Fireball in general. Um, well, I mean, to that, everybody's going to be mad when they have to shell out any kind of money. Yeah. But I mean, you're getting what Channel Fireball offers in that regard behind the paywall is like deck strategy, sideboard strategy and stuff mm-hmm. from actual pros. Yeah. So it's not that the content is is like bad. It's just people don't want to pay for it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I so would, maybe, maybe I would argue TCG- that if people do not want to pay for the content, the content is bad or, or at least it's not good enough. Because because the thing about this modern era of magic is, yes, they do go to pros, and yes, they do write good articles. I'm not going to say the articles are bad. I've seen some of them. They have good information in them. The problem is almost all of that information is available somewhere else for free. Just not necessarily from a pro's mouth. The, right? There are pros everywhere. You could go to YouTube right now and go watch Palo Vito Domodorosa's channel and learn everything that's behind the channel fireball wall, paywall probably. Right, same with uh, Aspiring Spike, who also writes for Channel Spy- uh, Fireball. You can just watch his streams, and he, you know, and then he goes writes an article about what he did on his stream or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like al- um, almost all the information that they have behind that paywall, there are pros elsewhere giving you that information for free. So why would you pay for it? Well, uh, to play devil's advocate here, uh, it's less time consuming to read an article than to watch a two to three hour stream to come to the same conclusion so you're getting convenience and time uh, time saving i mean paolo's videos are only like 10 minutes long and he breaks down the decks Mm. pretty well yeah well um okay and and i know there are other places even that just have articles that are still available for free from pros Mm -hmm. so even if you didn't want to have to watch a video or you were in an area where you know sound might be an issue you could still probably find a free article that gives you the same information and probably still from a pro's mouth Mm, i see i see so so yeah i mean i'm i'm to be clear i think that what we're saying is we're not necessarily against paying for content that people create it's just that Sometimes you can find that content elsewhere. Yeah, for free. So that particular right. bit of content does not seem like it is worth paying for at this state in the stage. Yeah, of uh, magic being available or information being available, yeah. on. especially for a lot of people. Yeah. So maybe TCG Player will kind of make a new framework for delivering content in a way that people will consume or pay for. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think guess. at this point the things that people are looking to spend money on is less like 
deck tech and more personality. Yeah. Right. I'll agree with that. That seems to be the big moneymaker is the uh, and personality streams and stuff. Yeah. yeah, and that seems to be the way that the market is shifting in general, just not even magic-related, you know, um, video game-related. Anything that you would see on Twitch, people are flocking towards rather than the old, like, hey, subscribe to IGN Premium or whatever and get this exclusive content, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they're, they're looking. So, yeah, like maybe Channel Fireball's model is just outdated and TCG Player is probably maybe going to come up with something new Mm -hmm. well um my hot my flaming hot take on this is that once uh channel fireball switched to the the market scheme that they've got going on where it's like anybody can sell on channel fireball's website like the amazon style Mm -hmm. uh, open market that's when i was kind of done with channel fireball not that there's anything wrong with that but like i'm buying cards off of the internet i want to know that i'm dealing with like one person or one entity mm-hmm. and i bought cards from channel fireball a bunch when they were just selling directly from channel fireball and at the point they started well you can anybody could sell on this and like why well, might as well just go to tcg player at that point because you have an issue buying cards on like ebay or anything like that i typically don't buy stuff off of ebay at all i don't know i'm weird in in that regard yeah, you never know what you're going to get when you buy from a like a person and not a storefront. At least the storefront has yeah. a reputation to back up. Yeah, I tend to try to um, do like local game stores and stuff if I want to buy cards or like Channel Fireball when I was buying off of the internet just because it's, you know, a well-known entity that sells cards from themselves. Yeah, so so the way TCG Player does it now is what you're describing except they also have well, TCG Player has a TCG Player Direct, so that's direct from TCG mm-hmm. Player. Um, but you're going to pay more for those cards. Yeah. Uh, whereas you can buy from a person individually who is like a rated seller mm-hmm. on there, kind of like eBay does, I guess. And I, I typically go that route where they're like approved sellers or they have, you know, that kind of stuff because then they, they're maintaining a reputation. You know, they have 50,000 plus sales, mm-hmm. you know, a percentage. Say- Rating. I, I will go that far, but I won't go to like, you know, I don't, I've only sold one thing on here, uh, unfortunately, because you have to get your start somewhere. So it's sad that that guy doesn't. But me personally, that sounds like too big of an investment. If it's a four cent card, I might, you know, but otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I have had uh, really good experiences on B- eBay largely. I've only had one bad experience out of probably like 80 to 100 purchases. Mm. specifically for magic cards uh both magic cards and comic books okay uh, which is kind of the same idea yeah because i mean they're both collectibles yeah. you're both you're both worried about damages and corners and mm-hmm. stuff like that my, my one bad experience was that someone signed for their package on top of a card that they oh, were shipping me and so geez. their signature was imprinted into the card that's rough bud <laughs> I was like, yeah. It's like, uh, but thankfully it was like a five dollar card, so it wasn't like I'd, I'd blown a huge wad of money on it. But by and large, I like a lot of times too. At least in my experience, I'll, I'll message someone before I buy something and be like, "Hey, is there anything that I can't see in the pictures?" And almost always they'll answer me. And ninety nine percent of the time, they're honest with me. It seems like you know, a guy would be like, "Oh, it's scratched, but you can't see it in the photo," and I'll be like, "Thanks for letting me know." 
Yeah, appreciate nice. that. <laughs> nice. So, um, and and maybe those are extra steps that people just aren't willing to take to get something a little bit cheaper, or maybe a lot of times maybe it isn't even cheaper on eBay. But hmm. that's just been my experience. I just don't like bothering with it, man. This like, <laughs> but also maybe I'm just intentionally hamstringing myself because I never finish any kind of deck building projects because of it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> do we have any final thoughts on this particular news story? Uh, any takeaways? Yeah. Are no. you are you excited, neutral, or angry at this announcement? Uh, pretty neutral, personally. I, I'd like to see what happens, but I'm I'm neutral until they make more announcements about mm-hmm. it, like what they're doing. If it's if it's going to be just TCG player doing its thing and Channel Fireball doing its thing, then it's a, like shouldn't even be news but i doubt that's the case i have hopes that tcg player can make channel fireball a thing again Mm -hmm. Uh, but in general i'm pretty neutral on the news because i don't really market to either site right now yeah i'm pretty neutral in this as well i don't really have a dog in the fight i am interested to see how um if they do merge together how they handle that because i don't think that having like two entities doing the exact same thing owned by the same company makes a lot of sense. Right. So there's going to have to, there's going to be some kind of merger and I'm kind of interested to see how all that shakes out. And, you know, I feel for anyone who's going to lose their job due to redundancy involved. Yes. Because I, I feel like they are probably not going to be able to make space for everyone. Despite what they will say. That's a very good point. Hopefully everybody lands on their feet after everything is all shook out. What about the next item of news? The good old reserved list. We have a tweet from Bill Stark. He's been a, uh, pro player in the past and worked for uh, Wizards of the Coast for several years doing various things for them and he just recently tweeted that why 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 are you guys fucking sharing stuff in the discord while I'm uh because it's it's important actually well I guess this is making the show then so the hell is this somebody got a Oh, I was I was going to talk about it during the reserve list comment because uh, oh, okay. somebody's selling an artist proof of Mock Sapphire. Oh, okay. It's actually pretty amazing. Okay, cool. Anyway, uh, well, we'll continue. go we'll go on to this. So, Bill Stark, pro from way back, a former Wizards of the Coast employee for many years, just recently retired from the company in May, uh, sent out a string of tweets talking about the reserve list. For those of you who don't know, in the beginning years of the game, Wizards was very uh, cognizant of the market or the secondhand market. They pretend like it doesn't exist now, but they wanted to make sure that the game had some sort of collectability so that it would continue into the future for 30 years or so. So after they printed Chronicles, which was like a huge reprint set, and everybody got kind of mad about how... Uh, their cards were being devalued. Uh, correct me if any of this is wrong, because I'm doing this from memory. They uh, 
kind of made a list of cards that they called the reserved list, which um, they indicated at the time they would never reprint again. And then they have since made some modifications to it. And now, judging from the list, it features cards from Alpha all the way to Urza's Destiny. A handful of cards here and there from every set. Did I get that summation right, guys? Sounds about right. Sounds yeah. about right. Okay. Excellent. That was all from my big brain. <laughs> so he tweeted that more or less wizards would never abolish the reserve list for legal reasons that would bankrupt the game is a little uh, paraphrasing his first tweet. This is, of course, his personal opinion. How do you feel about this? Do you think it's got some standing? I'm not a lawyer. I guess we should start off the conversation by saying, how do you guys feel about the reserve list in general? I know it's a hot topic for a lot of people. I I just I just don't care about it. <laughs> I mean, like I know I should I know I should have an opinion, but the the reality is most of the cards that I would care about in the reserve list, like they they're only relevant if you play Legacy, which I'm never gonna do. What about you, Ben? Um, I mean, I reflect a lot of the same stuff. It's just some some of the stuff on here isn't actually that expensive. Um, so I I don't know. I I understand why it exists. I don't, I'm not like an economist or anything like that to be able to say, well, actually, but it seems like the reasoning for it is sound, I guess. But I, as a person who only plays modern and forward, like it doesn't obviously doesn't really matter because this ends before modern starts. So yeah, only if you play legacy or vintage, does it really matter? But then if you're playing legacy or vintage, you probably want your cards to retain their value. So, uh, reprinting some of your, you know, staples there, like your, you know, there's uh, in specific, the dual lands like Badlands and, uh, Volcanic Iga. Island and, and Taiga and all that stuff. The, if they reprint that, then you you probably don't want them to do that if you play Legacy or Vintage because you you spent hundreds of dollars, like half a grand minimum for each of those mm-hmm. cards. So, uh, you know, you probably don't want them to do that. Uh, and if they did, if they printed all this stuff ad nauseum, like there would be nothing special about Legacy or Vintage, I guess. So, but I, and yeah, I do maybe have it's a gatekeeping a f- thing. I don't know, but... A few thoughts on that as well because one of the... One of the things that collecting in magic has taught me is that a lot of times that isn't even true. Of what? So Fireball's been reprinted a million times, Mm -hmm. but an alpha Fireball is still extremely valuable because of Mm -hmm. the set it's printed in. Right. People still seek out rare, older cards. They still often maintain value greater than the reprints simply because of their rarity. Now, maybe they take a small hit because it's not the only source of getting a Taiga for the people who maybe want one for their commander deck or whatever. But by and large, I bet the value would not go down as much as people think it would. Yeah, I can see the point there. And I guess that when this was put into effect, they weren't doing all those crazy um, products like the Dual Masters or the Double Masters or the ad nauseum commander stuff and all 
Yeah, la da 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 da. Secret layers. Yeah, they were just printing core sets and expansion. So part of the reason I'm sure that they made this list was like, hey, we don't ever want to reprint Mox Jet to in, back into standard, you know, or whatever, you know. Um, they have, and now that's not really a yeah a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. So I I do think that he may have a point with the legality of it, though. Even though it, it's not like a. Obviously, there's no law in place about yeah. how, how you reprint magic cards. Yeah, there's unlikely to be any kind of legally binding contract they've made with anybody. I've seen like comments to this tweet and story suggesting that maybe there was a contract they had signed with a distributor or something, which is kind of conspiratorial thinking, in my opinion. I don't think that no, that... Uh, but, but you also, you do not need to make a legally binding contract with mm. people who purchase your cards. Yeah. Uh, in order for them to, uh, they have said publicly multiple times, they're never going to reprint these cards. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. have repeated that information multiple times. They have told people that information multiple times. It has been their stance as a company. And if they change that stance and the value goes down on those cards, then the people who purchase those cards as an investment have a legal argument to recoup their loss. Uh, right. Yeah, and that's another thing that uh, Ben had mentioned, and uh, Bill, rather, Stark had mentioned in a, a a response to a tweet, was that, you know, you can sue for whatever standing, you know, you don't even have to win to make it not worth Wizards' right. time to do this, because nobody likes accruing massive amounts of legal fees for something that you know doesn't have to happen especially when you're a for-profit company that only wants to make money yeah and as much as people rail against the this list like i said earlier there's just not i don't think there are as many people who actually want to buy these cards as there are people who are just mad at the list because it exists yeah um i haven't given my opinion on the list yet so i'll just i'll do that now i really don't care i mean it's like oh you don't get to power nine it's like okay but nobody plays vintage and there's a there's an argument i guess you could make that'd be like it's really sad that these two formats vintage and legacy exist and receive and see no actual play because of the fact that the cards that are staples in those formats are on the reserve list and cost a lot of money but also are those formats really fun to play? They're like turn three formats. Whoever drops the Black Lotus first wins, you know? Yeah, no, they're the <laughs> they're the most degenerative formats of Magic to play. Yeah, so like, I'm like, eh, I don't really have any interest in, in playing those formats anyway. So the fact that I can't isn't really a, a thing that bothers me. Yeah, you got to remember there's a bunch of people on the internet that just like to complain about everything. Yeah. <laughs> Whether or not they're actually involved or not with it, they're just like, hey, other people are complaining. I'm going to complain too. But uh, yeah, I see Superior Dave's point um, about the. It's cold, man. <laughs> well, I mean, he won the last challenge. He's still Superior Dave. Uh, I see the point about like the legal the legal implications because if you if you buy into a thing based on a promise of a of a company and then yeah. they change their promise yeah, and then go back on it then yeah it's not the, it's like snake oil yeah, it's right? not the same as buying stocks you know you right it, it, like nobody came to you and said 
we guarantee that this stock will you know go up like because that's not true yeah but the 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 people who make these cards have come out and guaranteed they'll never be reprinted so i think you do have an argument that there were promises made that were broken that affected you financially yep yep agreed the other part is that like if they need to reserve if if wizards needs to print reserve list cards again then they do are doing a poor job at making magic. Like there should never be a need to reprint these cards. Mm-hmm. They should always be able to make new cards that yeah. take the game in a different, better direction. Yeah. And because I mean, let's face it, most of the cards that people want off the reserve list are broken ass <laughs> cards. That's what I was gonna say. Like there's a lot of <laughs> so, broken cards that exist because they were just first runs. And um, nobody had a grasp of how the, the game was going to work long term. And they have a better idea of how magic should be and uh, a different vision of what they need, the direction they need to take magic. And if they need to resort, re- resort to these cards to do that, then they're not making it right. Yeah, I also think this is very, uh, there, there's very much a reason other than just that people don't like it as much that. Wizards does not push their legacy and their vintage content because they still do tournaments for them, official tournaments for them. But you don't ever see that stuff aired or talked about or advertised or Mm -hmm. tweeted about. And part of it is this, because as long as that stuff stays dead, they don't have to have this conversation. Yeah. If they start tweeting about it and advertising it and people start watching it and it becomes popular by some stretch, even though it's it's bad magic, if it became popular, then they would have to start having conversations about this again. Yeah. Nobody wants that. <laughs> uh, apparently, they removed some cards from uh, the reserve list in I, 20... I saw that, and I was going to ask about that, too. too. Uh, back in 20, 2002 or whatever, they... Soul Ring was on the reserve list at one yeah. point. I'm sure glad they left. I took that off. It's, uh, so my question... Moltani uh, is on the reserve list, and I think it's probably my favorite card on the reserve what is list. It? Moltani? Yeah. Oh, yeah. M- Mara Sorcerer. I, I'm bummed to see that uh, Karn Silver Garlem's on there. The original gets plus four, yeah. minus four. <laughs> yeah, minus four, plus four. Oh, yeah, four minus four, plus turn. four when it blocks. Whenever... Karn Silver Golem blocks. Yeah, yeah, good pacifist Karn. I liked him better that yeah. way. Yeah. He's still yeah. kind of a pacifist. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, any uh, final thoughts on the reserve list? No, but I did uh, want to talk about that uh, thing I put in the Discord. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did uh, make that this week's cover art. <laughs> so somebody has a auction that they're doing for a mock sapphire artist proof it's not an actual official card what it is is that when i I, i've done a little bit of looking into what this is exactly Um, i guess when an artist makes a drawing of something or a card they send them a limited amount of cards uh, like proofs Mm -hmm. of the art there so there's no back to it it's just what they the art that they made Mm -hmm. with the frame and all that stuff um, yeah. and then a white um, back. So there's probably like uh, something like 50 of these in existence. And it's it looks mm-hmm. like it's pretty mint condition, uh, close to mint. 
There's a couple Mars mm-hmm. on it in the photos. There's there's some clean corners. Yeah. Uh, Those are some pretty It's actually corners. an amazing yeah. condition. Just to explain a little bit of the uh, what proofs are in general, because I know a little bit, is that when, you, when you're setting up cards to print, you want to make mm-hmm. sure that they're correct, right, as a company that's printing cards. So you print off what they call proofs, which aren't supposed to be final product cards. They're just, this is what they're going to look like. Please look at them. Make sure this is what you wanted before we do a 5,000 print run of this set right. for you. So they print them off. They send them to Wizards. Wizards checks them over, approves them. The printer then goes to a print them, and then Wizards gives the proofs to the artist who made the card. So right. that's how that works. Yeah, after they've done all the checks and stuff, the they're like, yes. we're done with these. Give, you, give them to the artist. Yep. Yep, and... Oh, man, I hope Dave's okay. That didn't sound right. Yeah. Are you, are you, are you, are you, are you there, Dave? You, you okay? I think he dropped out of chat. Oh. Was that uh, some kind of... What was going on in the background there? I don't know if it came through on the know. recording or not, but it didn't sound wholesome. Yeah. No, it wasn't. That's weird. Oh, well, we've got to finish the podcast. Yep. Uh, so what were you saying again? Oh, so yeah, there's probably only 50 of these in existence or less that people, that people were talking about it and that's what they're kind of estimating is typical for something like this sub 50. Mm -hmm. So it's actually like much more rare than an actual mock Sapphire. And this guy has a starting bid of 12, well, it's starting bid of 10,000, but the reserve is 12,500. So this thing will go for... 12,500 at minimum. Yeah, at the very least. I yeah. expect it to actually be higher, but this is kind of crazy, like that this exists and is in this good of condition at the same yeah, time. It's, you obviously wouldn't be playing with this, but you know, yeah. theoretically, if you had an artist proof in a sleeve, do you think they would let you play with it? Um, no, because it's, it's actually illegal, but somebody would have to check the back because it looks like... <laughs> I don't see any difference between it and the actual card from the front. Mm. So interesting. Yeah, you don't want to get deck checked and then get uh, banned from legacy play for the rest of your life. Right. That'd be a big thad. <laughs> and also, I wouldn't want to play with this. I'd rather just play with a mock sapphire than this yeah. thing. Yeah, for real. Yeah, that looks really sweet. Since Dave's gone, I guess we'll uh, cut the, the the discussion a little short. Somebody should probably go see if he's all right. Yeah. Yeah, didn't sound good. Um, yeah. Next week, uh, we will have the final predictions on, on episode four. We talked about some predictions on how the market was going to go following the Double Double Masters release for the specifically the Renin 6. And we're, we're going to check the prices on what a foil etched Renin 6 would be. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to that, because we said next 26th was the date we gave. So we will be uh, checking the price on that next week. Um, now, keep in mind that this was before the rest of the set was revealed. Spoiled, and yeah. in our knowledge, Renin 6 was the hottest card on that that list so far. So we had no, no idea what an Imperial Seal or that Imperial Seal was going to be on. So Yeah, that was a 
big surprise. Yeah. Especially since it's not even a, a modern staple. We, right. We were assuming this was going to be a modern set, but right. it's not. And it ended up being commander sets. So uh, we might be off on our things. I haven't actually looked at the prices. So Yeah, I have neither. I was going to ask you if you'd been no. following them. Not, not on those. I, I did, however, I forgot to say what I, and the, what I was doing this week, but we'll... Uh, this this is relevant now. I actually did buy some collectors packs of the double masters and feel really bad about it. So <laughs> uh, it didn't. It did. I don't think it ended up in my favor. Um, I did get a foil full art borderless or whatever it's called uh, Frexian altar. That was pretty Ooh. nice. Um, I got a couple uh, sh- uh, borderless hardened scales that I can maybe wheel and deal for you because I know you're building dude, that deck. I need, yeah, with yeah, that sweet I do art. Need a yeah. couple more of those for my because I'm going to revamp the artifact deck I have. Yeah, for modern into a hardened scales. So. Yeah, yeah. And so you need like three more copies of that, right? Because so yeah, with the, something out. Yeah, you have one and I have two. Yeah. Um, yep. So that might be something we can, you know, talk about. And then um, other than that, I didn't really pull much else. A seasoned pyromancer, uh, which I did need more of. I would rather just bought the single uh, from Modern Horizons 1. Um, Single-handedly the best glow-up in all of Magic history, seasoned pyromancer. (laughs) Yeah, he went from young pyromancer to... Uh. Season Pyromancer. He's just this little scrawny, goofy yeah. little boy. Definitely thirst like, trap. <laughs> yeah, thirst trap Pyromancer. So, um, I, I haven't uh, from. I bought basically. Okay, so I bought like a, a box of them. Oh, you is, bought a collector, dude. No, well, okay, it get, it's actually more insidious because I didn't go like give me a box of collectors boosters. It was like I want a pack of a collectors booster, and then I didn't get anything. That was cool. I mean, I got some stuff, but it wasn't like, and I was like, all right, give me another one. And then another one. And then I was like, okay, I'm done. And then the guy behind the counter was like, well, if you buy another one, I'll give you $20 off. Cause that's what it would be. If you were, but just bought a box, you'd save $20. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> I'm, dude, that guy is like salesman of the year, man. Yeah, That's I'm, I'm going to call him out because he's a real cool guy. His name's Sam, and he works at the local game store here. So Sam, if anybody knows Sam that listens to this, he's a cool guy. But he's a really good salesman because he gets me every single time on all that stuff. Uh, so <laughs> That's hilarious. So I didn't set out to buy a collector's box, but I ended up buying four packs, which equals a collector's box. Wow. Uh, and But that last one's when I pulled the Frexian altar, so like, okay. I would have been very salty if I hadn't. This made it a little less painful. Glad I kept going. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, in my experience, just based on what I know here, I do not suggest buying collector's boosters. Some people might have a different thing, but again, it's it's basically gambling. It's like Vegas gambling. I think we had said that before on a podcast yeah, because I mean, you're talking seventy dollars is what my local game store was selling a pack for. Jesus, so I am not condoning this behavior at all. Yeah. Um, Learn from Ben's mistakes. Do not buy yes. collectors boosters. Next week, I'll, I'll try to because I'm halfway afraid to like scan all the cards in and see what the actual value is. But I'll I'll see if I can have that ready for next week. Yeah, you should get a uh, value of, of cards versus value of what you spent. Just to, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll do that next week. Yeah. Just uh, we can start our discussion 
next week off with that information and then we'll look at the sounds prices. good all right well thank you everyone for joining us for this uh very special episode of magic proving Gowns, the podcast see you all next week uh, we need to tell them what we are, where, oh, we're, where yeah. to find us too oh i just assumed everybody <laughs> so, knew well go ahead and tell them where to find us <laughs> If you want to know where to find us, go listen to another episode of our podcast where we tell you know. Uh, uh, you can find us on Twitter at MPG Pod. You can find me on my personal Twitter at Be Nice MPG. Where can they find you, Moderator Dave? You can find me and on Twitter at Dave underscore MPG. And if anybody knows where other Dave is, um, you can send tips to the email at show at magicprovinggrounds.com that's the email right yep that's correct okay. yeah so yeah or dm us on twitter too yeah because uh, we'd really like to know where yeah, he is he's, so he's just disappeared it's a little a little disconcerting is that a word it feels like a word yeah it's, it sounds right okay that's the episode see you guys next week outro music <laughs> got here so i'm going to have to leave okay yep yeah no worries see you next week yep. dave all right don't say that on the podcast yeah we'll cut this out okay <laughs> are, are you gonna do the i've been kidnapped yeah. thing by the obscura? Yeah, you, you need to, to make some noise that work no no not really I just pick up a chair and throw it at the wall and then scream. <laughs> I, I, the thing is, it doesn't pick up any noise, it seems like, when I do that. Like, God damn, your setup's too good. No! Yeah, it's not, it's, I'm like <laughs> pounding on the wall and it's not picking it up. Ben will add something in post. How about that? <laughs> All, right. All right. Just say you got to take off and then... Yeah, I got to take off. Later. All right, see you, Dave.